0: Hey everybody, it's Pastor Will. Welcome or welcome back to the Brazos Fellowship Podcast. Thank you for listening today. And at the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast if you aren't already. But more importantly, I hope the following presentation inspires you to take the next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. All right. All right. Good morning, guys. How are we? Wow, y'all are not nearly as awake as the earlier crowd. How are we, guys? Awesome, awesome. I love it. Thank you guys for being here. My name is Sam. I am the Director of Ministry Environments here at Brazos Fellowship, and what that means is that I get the privilege and the joy of getting to serve and love and work alongside and lead our incredibly amazing next-gen staff. So that's Uh, wombaland and upstreet and transit and inside out and 242 all of the incredible people that are serving your kids right now if you've got kids in the uh, children's or student ministry areas i want you to know we have the greatest staff on the planet serving our kids can we just show them some love right now for them and their volunteers it is incredible the work that they do and guys thank you For letting us uh, partner with you in raising the next generation of Jesus followers. It's such a joy. All right, as we get started, I want to ask you a question. Have you ever had an experience that it helped you to talk to somebody who had already done it? Have you ever had an experience that it helped you to talk to somebody who had already done it? So like my family, we had a vacation about a year ago. We went to Universal Studios, and we'd never been before, and so we spent months talking with friends who had been, and we joined Facebook groups and read books because we wanted to know which were the best rides and which were the worst rides and what time of day to stand in this line so we have the least amount of line to stand in and the best places to eat and the best things to do and the best places to stay, all those things, because we wanted to go into that experience with confidence that we were providing uh, an unforgettable vacation for our kids. We wanted to be confident in that. Right now, we've got a daughter who is a, a, a freshman at Texas A&M University. All right, yeah. And, and you better believe we talked to people who had already done that as we were going through that process of getting her ready for school. And she's talked to students who have the same major so she can know what to expect and be confident of that. Hey, listen, it's why there's apps, right? So you know which professors to take and which professors to avoid, right? We want to know with confidence what we're getting into. Maybe for you, it's a medical procedure that you've had or that you're facing. And it really helps to talk to somebody who's already done this thing because you don't know what to expect. And they might tell you, look, it's hard and this is what you can expect, but it's worth it. You want to be confident going into that process, right? There's something reassuring about talking to somebody who's been there and done that. And right now, I'm in the middle of being able to be that person who's been there and done that for somebody else. See, next month, I'm going on a camping and hiking trip to the Guadalupe Mountains uh, National Park, way out in West Texas. I don't know if you've ever been there or seen it on a map. It's way out there, and in the, the, the kind of the centerpiece of the Guadalupe Mountain National Park is Guadalupe Mountain, obviously, right? Guadalupe Mountain, Guadalupe Peak is the highest point in the state of Texas, 8,751 feet in elevation. Now, for Colorado standards, that's not so high, right? But for Texas, like, that's up there, Right? And, and it's an 8.4-mile round-trip hike if you stay on the trail, which we plan to do, right? Which, again, doesn't sound like a super difficult hike, but when you consider that there's over 3,000 feet of elevation gain on that hike, it can be pretty daunting, Right? the little trail guide says it takes the average person six to eight hours to do this hike round trip. And I don't know if you're a hiker. I am. And so I know they they kind of rate hikes as easy or moderate or difficult. We stay away from the easy ones. Those are boring, right? But this one is rated as very strenuous. This sounds awesome, doesn't it? (laughs) Like I'm taking vacation time to go and do this thing. And you're sitting there going, you are crazy, but I love it. I am so excited. Here's the thing. I've done it before. I've been there. Here's a picture of me standing at the top of Guadalupe Peak. And if you've been, anybody else been here, by the way? Nobody? There's one. All right. Awesome. If you've been here, you know there's this structure right here at the peak. And my hand right there on the top of that structure is at the highest point in the state of Texas. It's called the top of Texas right there. I've been there and I've done this before. It's difficult, but it's so worth it. Or maybe if you hadn't been on this trail, maybe you've been on some hike or some adventure, you've been exploring somewhere, and you know it's difficult, right? The trail might be difficult, but you know that just around the next corner, just over the next bend, just up the next switchback, there's going to be something good there. There's going to be a waterfall or a rock formation. It's going to be this incredible view. And so you know no matter how hard it is, it's worth it. Otherwise, you would have turned back a long time ago. Well, I know that this hike is difficult. It's very strenuous, I guess, according to the trail guide, right? There's miles of walking. The sun just beats down on you. It gets really windy. Our feet are going to be sore. We're going to be tired and hungry, but I know it's going to be worth it. And I know this because I've done it before. And next month, I'm doing it again, and I'm taking, for the first time, my 12-year-old son. He's never been before. (laughs) All right, parents. Now... you know this, right? You know if you go anywhere with your kids that there's going to be any amount of walking, right? Universal Studios, the grocery store, (laughs) wherever that is, you know what you're going to hear five minutes in, right? You're going to hear, I'm tired, my feet hurt, I'm hungry, right? If you have a preteen girl, you're going to hear, I am literally about to die, right? (laughs) Like, you know this, moms and dads, and so what do we do? We prepare, right? We talk about it. We talk about what to expect. We pack snacks and water. And we tell them, hey, look, it's going to be a lot of walking, all right? We're going, to, we're going to start all the way over with the fruits and the vegetables, and we're going to go all those, and end at the dairy. But if you'll hang in there with me, all right, it's going to be worth it because I'll buy you a candy at the checkout, right? Like we, t- we, we prepare them, right? We tell them it's going to be a long line. It's going to be hot, and we're going to have to wait a while, but then we're going to get to ride this ride that we've been wanting to do. We prepare, and so I've been on this hike. My son is not, so I am preparing. We're talking about it. We're talking about how difficult it's going to be. We're watching YouTube videos about it. We bought new hiking boots. I actually have him get on the treadmill and walk with an incline in those boots, right? So he gets used to walking uphill at a slow, steady pace for in- extended amounts of time. We're talking about it. We're preparing, buying new gear. We're ready to go. We're talking about how we're going to celebrate when we get to the top. If you've been there, you know there's this little box. You can see it right there at the base of the, that structure. In that box, there's a book that you get to sign when you get to the top. So we're talking about signing the book and celebrating when we get to the top. Here's the thing. I know it's going to be difficult. I know that our feet are going to be sore, that we're going to be tired, but I'm confident that it's going to be a good experience because there's something good at the end of this experience, and I want my son to be confident as well, and so we're talking through that. There's this concept or this idea that's kind of woven throughout Scripture, and it's a, it's a word that I'm sure you're familiar with. You probably use this word. You might have even used it this word already today. And the word is this. It's hope. Hope. Have you said hope today yet? Maybe I, I hope we make it to church on time. <laughs> I hope there's a parking spot when we get there. I hope he doesn't go long. <laughs> right? We've, we've used this word. I, I hope it rains soon for me and my world. I've been saying, I, I hope the Rangers make the World Series. Right, right now, listen, I hope the Rangers win another game. I mean, that's where we are right now, right? We, we, we answer questions with the word hope, right? Is Texas A&M going to win a national championship? I hope so, right? Are you going to get that raise you've been talking about? I hope so. Hey, hey, are you going to go to heaven when you die? I hope so. We use hope... And in the English language, the word hope conveys a sense of doubt. But here's the thing in the Bible, this idea of hope, the word hope, there is never any doubt attached to it. It means confidence and it means security in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. As a matter of fact, there's a passage I want to share from the Old Testament right here from Psalm 16. Check this out I know the Lord is always with me, I will not be shaken. For he is right beside me. No wonder my heart is glad and I rejoice. My body rests in, here it is, safety. That word safety can also be translated and often is translated hope. This is confidence, no doubt, right? In the New Testament, when we see the word hope, virtually every time you come across the word hope in the New Testament, it's the Greek word elpis. And elpis means a confident expectation, that's how it can be translated, confident expectation. There is no sense of doubt. As a matter of fact, the biblical definition of the word hope is this. Hope is the confident expectation of the goodness of God. It's the confident expectation of the goodness of God. It's confidently knowing that God is good and he is good to me. It's not wishful thinking, it's not an emotion, it's not good vibes. It's not the power of positive thinking. It's not, I hope nothing bad happens. I hope we're not late. I hope we have enough money. It's the confident expectation of the goodness of God. And to take it a step further, in Scripture, we see that hope has a name, and his name is Jesus. In 1 Timothy chapter 1, we read this, For it was Jesus himself, our living hope, Jesus is living hope. This is why the main message was repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. In other words, change your mind. Change your outlook. Change the way that you view your circumstances, that you view your life, because hope is here. No matter how dark, no matter how difficult, no matter how desperate, hope is here. And if Jesus is living hope, to follow Jesus is to follow Hope and if jesus is living hope To walk with jesus is to walk with hope if jesus is living hope to obey jesus is to align our lives with hope And if jesus is living hope to turn our back on jesus is to turn our back on hope And here's what I know That some of you are feeling hope less today and we've all felt hopeless at times, haven't we? You've been disappointed in some thing or some circumstance. Here's what disappointment is. Disappointment is uh, when, when we have an expectation here, but our reality is here. We expect one thing, but something else happens. And this space in between is our level of disappointment. So, whatever that circumstance is in your life, it's a relationship, it's your career, maybe it's just life in general. You expected one thing, but something else is happening. And so you're left disappointed and eventually hopeless. And it's why we give up on relationships, it's why we give up on our dreams, it's why we give up on life. And for some of us, it's why we give up on God. Come on, some of you know exactly what I'm talking about because you've been there. And listen, I've been there. And some of you are there right now. Here's the problem that we all have at times is this the problem for a lot of us is we have hope for something when we're supposed to have hope in someone. We have hope for something we have a hope for a better ma- marriage we have hope for healing we have hope for finances we have hope for a better life when we should ultimately put, be putting our hope in someone it's the biggest difference between us and those who have gone before us see there are people who have gone before us who experienced pain They experienced persecution. They've experienced suffering and poverty and disease and hardship. They've experienced all these difficult circumstances. But still, they've walked down what the Old Testament prophet Jeremiah calls the ancient path. They've experienced all these hard circumstances and never lost hope. And God, in his infinite wisdom, and listen, if you've ever doubted the goodness of God, if you've ever doubted the kindness of God, the mercy of God, I want you to hear this. In his infinite wisdom, God made sure that those who have gone before us Their stories have been recorded and preserved for generations and generations. It's for you and for me so we can learn from them so that we might have hope. As a matter of fact, Paul writes this in Romans chapter 15, for everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have, here it is, hope. We might have hope We might have confident expectation of the goodness of God in our lives as we learn from those who have gone before us. So everything that's written in Scripture, all the accounts of these people who have gone before us and have stayed on that ancient path is there so that we could have the confident expectation that God is good and he's good to us. And for those who have gone before us, their hope was in someone, not in some. Thing. And i'm so grateful for those who have gone before us. We're going to look at a few of these this morning I'm, so grateful for these who have gone before us, whose stories have been recorded in scripture for us to learn from men like Abraham See abraham got received this promise from god that he was going to be the father of many nations Here's the problem abraham had though is that abraham Was a hundred years old and he had no children That's a hopeless situation, isn't it? It's a hopeless situation. It's it's hard to think I'm going to be the father of anything when I'm 100 years old and have no children. But Paul records for us in Romans chapter 4 this, against all hope, in a hopeless situation, Abraham, in hope, believed. He believed, despite his circumstances, that God is good and God is good to him and God would be faithful to his promise. And it goes on in verse 19. He says this, without weakening his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead. How's that for a description of you, right? his body was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old and that Sarah, his wife, Sarah's womb was also dead. This was his reality, right? This was the reality of his life. And he didn't run from his reality. He didn't deny his reality. He didn't just sit and feel sorry for himself in the middle of his reality. He faced his reality. And let's see what happens in verse 20. Yet he did not waver through unbelief. He was in a hopeless situation, and it would have been so easy to just give up, to stop believing that God is good, to just weaken himself in his circumstances. But that's not what he did. He chose not to weaken himself in his circumstances. He did not waver because his hope was not in his circumstances. His hope was in someone, despite his circumstances. Now, if you're like me, You may be sitting there going yeah 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 but that was i mean that was abraham like he's in the bible he's a he's a hero of the faith right i'm no hero well you can go back in genesis chapter 12 and following and read about abraham's life and you'll see that abraham was way more like you and way more like me than we would expect see abraham struggled with life abraham doubted at times abraham lied There was one instance where Abraham even had a child with his wife's much younger servant in an attempt to help God's plan along. And yet God still patiently and lovingly reminded him that he had a plan for his life, reminded him of this promise that he was going to be the father of many nations. And Abraham believed. Now, he had to redirect his hope at times from his circumstances back to his God, just like you and me have to redirect our hope from our circumstances back to our God. But against all hope, Abraham believed in hope. Uh, it's so encouraging to see this, to learn from those who have gone before us, men like Abraham, men like David. David's story is recorded in first and Second Samuel, and at the very end of First Samuel, we see this defining moment in David's life. David had been uh, chased uh, for 10 years by the king of Israel, Saul, who was trying to kill him. And so David ends up living with the Philistines, the Israelites' sworn enemy. And one day the Philistines are going to battle against his own people, the Israelites. And so David and his men, they fall in line with all the Philistine warriors to go and fight the Israelites. And on the way to the battlefront, the Philistine commander begins to think you know what David is going to turn against us in battle and so he sends a messenger back to David saying we don't want you here go home and so David and his men they turn and they go home and when they get back to their village they realize that while they'd been gone another enemy of David's had come and ransacked his village and burned down their homes and taken all of their wives and their children and all of their possessions and scripture says when David and his men got there and realized what had happened they wept Bitterly, and when they could weep no more, his men considered killing David. You talk about a hopeless situation, right? You might be sitting there going, I'm in a hopeless situation right now too. But let's look and see what David did in 1 Samuel chapter 30. But David found strength. He found strength in the Lord his God. In other words, his hope wasn't in his situation. His hope was in his God. In that moment, he could have given up. Listen, it would have been really easy to give up. And nobody would have blamed him. Like if that's how the story ended and we were reading it, we would say, I don't blame him. I would have done the same thing. He could have given up, but he did not give up. Instead, he strengthened himself in the Lord and he didn't weaken himself in his circumstances. And it doesn't say exactly what David did, but if you read about David's life, we can can kind of put the pieces together because we see over and over and over in David's life, he meditated on the character and the nature of God. He thought about the promises of God. He was grateful to God and he thanked God for who he is and what he had done. His thoughts consistently went back to God despite his circumstances. And in doing this, David cultivated a heart of hope. And if we were to read on in this story, we see that David ended up, he rallied his men, and they went and fought the Amalekites who had destroyed their village, and they killed them all and went and got their wives back and their children back and all their possessions back. And a few chapters later, David becomes the king of Israel. And it's because he realized his hope was his responsibility, and he chose not to weaken himself in his circumstances. So I'm so grateful for stories like David's that God has preserved for us to learn from that we might have hope. And in the New Testament, we see the, the growth of the early church. how oh, Christianity spread like crazy. And it was because of their hope in Jesus. And today, many people hear Jesus and they think, well, yeah, he was a good man. He was a good teacher. He taught good ethical principles, right? And all that's true. But the core message of the gospel is, is not Jesus' ethical teaching. No, something happened. Something happened. It's a historical fact that the message of Jesus Christ changed so many lives and spread so much throughout the masses that in just 200 years from the resurrection, just 200 years, that sounds like a long time, it's not very long, that that, that incredibly strong, classic Greco-Roman pagan culture was almost completely supplanted by Christianity. See, a, a change like that Could not have happened by some little christian movement based on the ethical teaching of a good man and a change like that could not have happened just because some middle class decided to go christian or some intellectual class decided to go christian it was the masses that went christian it was the poor and the downtrodden that went christian and what was it about christianity that changed their lives was it the ethical teaching of jesus did they wake up one day and say oh turn the other cheek finally, after years of hardship, I finally have something that will conquer my despair and give me a hope for a better life. No, of course not. Something happened. The message of Christianity is that something happened that changed everything. So we have to ask the question, what happened? It was the death and the resurrection of Jesus. See, when Jesus died on the cross, he destroyed the barrier that stood between God and humankind. And when he rose from the dead, he ultimately defeated sin and death for all of eternity. And so that's the reason the downtrodden can say, despite my circumstances, no matter how difficult life is, no matter what my level of success or achievement, there's hope for my future. I can be reborn into this new kingdom. My life can be changed and I can live with hope because of the reality of what happened. And because of the good news, ladies and gentlemen, we too can become sons and daughters walking with the Heavenly Father, filled with the Spirit, living with purpose. It says that When that happens in Scripture, it says that we are in Christ and He is in us. Remember, who is Christ? Jesus, he's living hope. We are filled with living hope. And those who have gone before us, they knew this. They knew this. And so their hope wasn't in their situation or their circumstances. Their hope was in Jesus and they believed that the kingdom of heaven was coming and that he was going to make all things new because he promised he would make all things new. And today we still believe that Jesus is in the process of making all things new and if your hope is in someone you will always have hope for something if my hope is in jesus in the gospel and in his kingdom i will have hope for my marriage i'll have hope for my finances i'll have hope for my future but if my hope is for something and that thing doesn't happen the way I want it to happen, when I want it to happen, in other words, my expectations don't match up with my reality, then my hope in someone comes crashing down. And that's why so many of us lose our hope in God. It's because our hope in God was never there in the first place. Our hope was for our circumstances. Our hope was for a certain situation. And so we we have got to hope in someone. We've got to look at those who have gone before us like Abraham and David and the early church in the first century and so many others throughout scripture. And we've got to learn from them. We've, We've got to secure our hope in Jesus. I love this passage in Hebrews chapter six. We have this certain hope, confident expectation of the goodness of God. We have this certain hope, like a strong, unbreakable anchor. What does an anchor do? It keeps you from moving, right? In the middle of a storm, what do you want to be anchored to? Something immovable, right? Something unshakable. We have this hope, like a strong anchor, holding our souls to God himself. Our anchor of hope is fastened to the mercy seat in the heavenly realm, beyond the sacred threshold, and where Jesus, our forerunner, has gone in before us it says that our hope is anchored to the mercy seat now in the old testament there was the temple that god instructed the israelites to build and in the middle of the temple there was a room called the holy of holies that was separated from the rest of the space by a curtain or a veil that went from top to bottom and that represented the presence of god and one time a year the priest would go into the holy of holies and he would sprinkle the blood of an animal that had been sacrificed over the mercy seat for the forgiveness of all the sin of all the people Fast forward now to the New Testament. And Matthew and Mark and Luke and John all document this for us, that Jesus himself died on the cross. And in Matthew and Mark and Luke, you can read that when that happened, that veil that was in the temple in Jerusalem literally tore from top to bottom representing the fact that now we all have access to god there's no more barrier between us and god and jesus became the ultimate once and for all sacrifice for the forgiveness of all sins ladies and gentlemen the mercy seat that our hope is anchored to is jesus christ because of that something that happened and so i just want to ask you a simple question this morning how's your hope how's your hope Have you lost your hope? Are you feeling hopeless today? Are you getting up every day in anticipation of despair and darkness and things being broken and lost? Or do you have a confident expectation of the goodness of God? How's your hope? What are you doing to cultivate a heart of hope like David did? What are you looking at and thinking about and listening to? What are you filling your spirit with? See, what you have to understand is that hope is the byproduct of meditating on the goodness of God, of meditating on the nature of God, the promises and the faithfulness of God. And so we can do things like turn to Scripture, right, and learn from those who have gone before us we can do things like we did earlier in the service and sing these songs of hope, remembering the promises of God, who God is and what he has done. When I think about God's character, when I think about his goodness and his kindness and love, when I think about all of the promises that he's made to me and how he's been so faithful to me over the course of my life, when I think about those things, I can't help but to have hope start to grow in my heart. And listen, if if you're a Christian, we owe the world experiences with the goodness of God. We owe the world an encounter with hope. And if Jesus is the living hope, we become living hope for those around us. And we carry hope with us wherever we go. Because Jesus is in us and we are in him. We become living hope. Imagine with me what life would look like, what our city would look like, what our world would look like if when we walked out of this place, we walked with intentionality, fully believing that we carry with us living hope. And we spread that hope with us. We carry the goodness of God everywhere we go. We could literally change our families. We could change our schools. We could change our neighborhoods. We could change our workplaces. And so if you're a Christian, we owe the world an encounter with the goodness of God because we live in a hopeless, dark world. And there is no hope outside of Jesus. So we carry hope with us. But we have to decide. Are you going to put your hope in something or are you going to put your hope in someone? And you have to cultivate a heart of hope. Come on, if God is good, then the future is full of hope. The question is, do you believe that God is good and that he's good to you? Do you believe that no matter how difficult life is, no matter how difficult that path is, that just around the next corner just over the next bend, just at the top of the next switchback, there's something good? Do you have a confident expectation of the goodness of God like Abraham and like David, like the early church, like those who have gone before us? As we close this morning, I want you to just close your eyes and we're going to go into a time of prayer together. My guess would be that many of us are feeling hopeless today and i believe god is inviting us to take our eyes off of our circumstances and re refocus our eyes on him to stop hoping for something and instead hope in someone i think god is inviting some of us uh, to a place where he just wants to stir up hope in our hearts again by remembering that we have living hope. And so for many of us, the commitment that we need to make today is that commitment to stop hoping for something, the circumstances around us, the situations around us, and we need to hope in someone. We need to remember the eternal realities inside of us. And if that's you today, you have a sense of hopelessness, And you know I need to focus my eyes on Jesus today and not on my circumstances. I would love to pray for you as you renew that commitment, as you make that commitment, would you just raise your hand in the air and say, that's me. I'm feeling hopeless today. And I want to refocus my hope in someone and not on something. Jesus, thank you that you are that someone, that you are living hope And that because of what you've done, you died and you rose again. Our hope is secure in the mercy seat in the finished work of the cross. Thank you that you've promised to make all things new. What that means is that there's always hope where you're feeling hopeless. God has promised to make all things new in that area too. So for those of us who are feeling hopeless today, God, help us to take a step towards Jesus. Help us to take a step towards living hope. And you can put your hands down. And maybe you've never considered that there's a hope for you. You've never considered that God is good and he is good to you. Today, God may be inviting you to believe for the very first time that something happened, that something happened that changes everything and that something is that Jesus died and he rose again and because of that you can have a relationship with the God of the universe and so for some of you God may be inviting you into that relationship today you can say yes to that invitation by believing in your heart that Jesus is the son of God not just a good man not just a good teacher he is the son of God and confessing that he is Lord. Would you do that right now? You can just simply say out loud or silently in your heart, Jesus, you are Lord. I believe that you died for the forgiveness of all sin, including mine, and that you rose from the dead I accept your free gift of forgiveness right now, and I choose to walk with you. I choose to walk with living hope. And if you just made that declaration, the Bible says that you are now saved. You've been reborn into the kingdom of God. You are a Christian, a child of God, and you have eternal living hope inside of you now. And I would love to just pray over you right now. If that's you, would you just raise your hand and say, that's me. I'm a child of God. I have eternal living hope beginning today because I said yes to this invitation of God. I've never known hope before, but I know it for the first time today. And I just want to close our time together by praying this scripture from 1 Peter over you and over all of us who have made this decision. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope. And for some of you today, he has just given you new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish or spoil or fade. And so God, as we leave this place, help us to walk out of this room today with a renewed commitment to hope in you and not for some thing, despite the circumstances in our lives. Help us to walk out of this place today with a renewed commitment to be a carrier of hope into a hopeless and lost world. Thank you for inviting us and allowing us to be a part of what you're doing through, be, through uh, showing the world that you are good and that you are good to us. We love you and we thank you, and it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Guys, thank you so much for being here today. Make sure you come back for the new series, Faithful, beginning next Sunday. Once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the Brazos Valley, we would love for you to engage with us at one of our weekend services. For directions, service times, and information about our fabulous children's and student environments, visit us at BrazosFellowship.com. That's BrazosFellowship.com.